0: Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
4: And my name is Julie Douglas.
1: And we are continuing our discussion on personhood.
4: That's right. Last week, we covered the foundation of what personhood is. And this week, we are going to continue the conversation. And uh, you'll hear a bit more about personhood as it relates to animals and robots. All right. So we have talked about personhood and, and, and this idea of our past selves, our future selves, Um Personhood is as a, as a corporate metaphysical entity, and now animals and personhood.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we're kind of taking a step backwards, because they were here before us, but they, we don't talk about them until we're done with corporations. Sorry, but the corporations have more money uh, than do the dolphins. Um, the dolphins are certainly one of the animals you, you hear about the most when it comes to personhood, uh, mm-hmm. and the great apes. Um, you know, But it's the idea that you have... Uh, You have creatures that, uh, A, are not really all that useful to us. Yes, we can eat gorillas and dolphins, but they're not that tasty. They're not. Um, And uh, and in that sense, they are beyond use uh, by humans.
4: Although uh, great apes are sometimes used as bushmeat. And and Jane Goodall is certainly someone who is an advocate of personhood for great apes, for instance, so that they... You know, don't become extinct so that they are not hunted for bushmeat.
1: Yeah, well, like uh, I'm going to throw out a quick quote here. Um, and this is where I got the "beyond use" uh, bit there, and this is from um, Thomas I. White, who uh, is uh, he is the Conrad N. Hilton uh, Chair of Business Ethics at uh, Loyola uh, Marymount University in Los Angeles, and he says, "Quote: The evidence for cognitive and effective sophistication, currently most strongly documented in dolphins, supports the claim." that these cetaceans are non-human persons, said White. Uh, as a result, cetaceans should be seen as beyond use by humans and have moral standings as, as individuals. It is therefore ethically indefensible to kill, injure, or keep these beings captive for human purposes. So that's that's what White had to say about the matter, pointing to the, the level at which the individual's mind is uh, operating and the... The limited extent to which they are useful to humans.
4: Yeah, and I think non-human persons is the key uh, wording here because yeah. he's not saying like let's give them the right to vote or sit on juries, uh, but he is saying that they are exhibiting, you know, consciousness. They are exhibiting, um, you know, language ability, higher cognition like abstract thinking. Yeah. Um, both for great apes and for dolphins. Uh, so he's saying that in these in this case, we really need to try to. Figure out what self-awareness means on this level.
1: Yeah, um, you, you see uh, the mirror test thrown out a lot of times uh, yeah. in dealing with um, with with personhood uh, with animals, uh, and this is simply if shown a mirror, can the does the animal recognize itself in the mirror? Uh, so you, you often see this used with great apes, but it should be mentioned that other animals can pull it off as well, like the magpie, little bird, can do it, uh, and also worth noting that. Human beings with face blindness—they uh, uh, may not be able to do it. So it's not. So right. So it's do not you take necessi- personhood yeah. away from that. It's not. Ne- so th- it's such a simple test. It's guaranteed to not actually uh, be an effective gauge of personhood. But um, but yeah, it, it, you, you get into these these questions. To what extent are some, if not many, animals um, worthy of a personhood status? Like is a be- like a beloved pet. Uh, to I mean, does not quite have personhood status, but a beloved pet has more rights in this country than, uh, say, like a, a wild coyote or a protected species has more has more rights than a non protected species. So I mean, there are there are varying levels of, of protection in play. Like if you kill somebody's pet, right, you're in more trouble than if you kill obviously a cockroach.
4: Well, I, there, there was something that I read, and I, I wish that I could remember the person um, and attribute this to that person. But what they were basically saying is that we are at a point in science now that we understand much better the way that animals think. They socialize, uh, their ability to feel pain, to express themselves, um, and animals like dolphins and great apes, uh, that... there's a sentient quality to them. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying this is apples and apples. They're not humans, obviously. But he is saying that we're at a point where we should probably step back in knowing what we know, what science has has borne out in terms of their intelligence. Uh, We should begin to redefine how we treat them or we look at them um, and what personhood might mean in that situation.
1: Yeah. Like in a a certain sense, personhood... Like, like uh, as far as personhood and people goes, it like it boils down to this realization that oh, it's not just me versus the rest of the world. There are other people that are on my side, and you eventually reach the point where you realize, well, actually, most, if not all, of humanity is on my side. We are all people. We all have personhood status, and then extending that out, well, are there other things in the world that um, are worthy of of my consideration as a person? Or, or just well, just remove the person from that that sentence. Just worthy of my consideration. So, the dolphin. Should I maybe think about it in in a way that's more meaningful as that bump that my my jet ski just hit? You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. or should I should I think of uh, of this gorilla as as something more than just my my next meal in the bush?
4: Well, and then this is the problem of the way that we view animals. And uh, one of the books that I'm uh, rereading. The summer is some we eat, some we love, and some we kill. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, he talks about, the author talks about this idea that we really are sort of butt over tea kettle when it comes to this. We can't really think straight. So, you know, why would we look into the eyes of dogs? Some cultures look into the eyes of a dog and see that dopey stare and just fall in love. And, and now that we know about oxytocin and this exchange of this feel good hormone between these two species, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then, you know, elevate this Relationship we have with this dog in this culture, why would we do that and not necessarily with another creature? So yeah,
1: it's it messes you up. Like I had to telework with a, a kitten in that house yesterday, and <laughs> you know you keep you're like, oh maybe I should go look at it again, and then I'm like, oh, I'm getting kind of stressed about this article. I should probably go hold that kitten, and then you look at it and it toys with you. Like I say, you could you could rob a bank with one.
4: Well, this this is a kitten that you guys just rescued, and so you yeah. know you're uh, tapping into your empathy there. It's good stuff.
1: On that note, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back in just one minute. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples.
0: Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like?
1: Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day.
3: And we're back.
1: Speaking of, of empathy, uh, though, the final level of uh, personhood that we're going to talk about today, at what point do we consider an artificial intelligence at least an an artificial person?
4: Okay, okay. So now they can crea- create art, as we've uh, talked about, and perhaps even create new thoughts? Yes. Okay. Um, and there's this idea that has always been circulating that eventually we're going to program uh, machines and robots to the extent that they are sentient, that they do feel pain because they're programmed that way for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh,
1: Perhaps for their... I mean, yeah, you get into a lot of weird area when you talk about this because we, we mentioned in the other podcast, uh, The Artist is a Young Robot, we mentioned the creativity machine. Um, if you unplug the creativity machine, it doesn't die, it doesn't feel pain, and you don't go to jail. All Some of those things do not apply when you unplug a person in a hospital. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so you get to the point, like at what point have we given a program enough of a semblance of consciousness and a semblance of, of, of self-awareness that it deserves rights. Like if you did create, Say you, know, you did create this program, or this say, are a virtual person in a virtual world that feels pain. Then, you know, then for whatever sadistic reasons you created that program aside, then if you go in and you administer pain to that AI, are you really doing something horrible, something morally reprehensible, and should that? virtual person be protected by law.
4: Well, especially when you looked at the creativity machine which Stephen Fuller is is saying that it has the ability to learn, it has the ability to produce new thoughts, so you know, the extrapolation is that somewhat down the road this this Becomes its own thing, right? It may even, maybe even has its own consciousness, if we can ever really figure out what, yeah, what, consciousness, what consciousness is. Consciousness is. Um, but we're trying to do that, right? We've talked about the Blue Brain Project, which is this reverse engineering of a hundred billion neurons in our own brains and trying to figure out what consciousness is, uh, and how that's happening. And then we've talked about this idea of virtual immortality where someday we're going to just download a bunch of code from our brain that is representing who we are, who we think we are, this personhood. Mm -hmm. And we're probably going to throw it into a machine or into a robot. And then at what point – you know, that's probably when we get really concerned about this idea of – robots or AI having personhood because now this thing is containing us or this idea of
1: us. It's one thing to worry if a gorilla has personhood, but if you know that if you see that gorilla wearing your t-shirt and reading your favorite novel, then you're like, whoa, that gorilla (laughs) kind of looks like me. Now I feel really bad about eating it. Right. Um, And and likewise, yeah, if if we, to whatever extent we create the AI in our own image, if we actually attribute it with some of our individual Characteristics, then, uh, yeah. To what extent is a person, or the and characteristics then, of, uh, of of other beings, real or unreal?
4: There's this idea too that it survives us, mm-hmm. and then it makes independent decisions based on our own thought processes. So, in the future, do we do we say like somehow I want to legislate that my future me that is now being carried uh, out through this AI is somehow still influencing the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially if I have some sort of corporate ties, I don't know, it's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, one thing that I also wondered about too, in this is you get into the idea of first order desires and second order desires. Like a first order desire is something like "I want to eat a candy bar or me want candy bar," or even "I can has candy bar. These are all examples of uh, first-order desires, and it doesn't take much to to have them. You know, insect wants food. Insect wants candy bar, but it doesn't mean that it is a person. Uh, But uh, a second-order desire is the realization that you wish you didn't want a candy bar.
4: Okay, so this is this idea that you're thinking about your future self, Mm -hmm. and you're saying, I I wish I didn't want that because I really don't, I really will... uh, regret having eaten that candy bar in the future yeah.
1: or even having both of those ideas in your mind simultaneously to be like i hate candy bars i love candy bars uh that kind of uh, cognitive dissonance yes or like an odysseus uh contract where one uh, you know where, where uh, odysseus straps himself to the mast of the ship so that he won't be um won over by the siren song he knows that future odysseus um uh, is a horn dog and will just be dragged <laughs> to his death by those sirens. So, current uh, Odysseus straps himself to the mast.
4: Yeah, so I'm thinking back now to the other podcast that we just recorded ab- about robots and art and the, the one part about how they're teaching Macbeth to the machines mm-hmm. in order to get these nuances and understand uh, problem solving. So, why not just run this, this same th- code through? Um, you know this Odysseus this pact uh, through machines do you think that by virtue of carrying out the code that it becomes the thing that it becomes real that this understanding uh, of, of nuance and uh, cognitive dissonance hmm. could manifest itself in a machine
1: it's an open, yeah it's an open question yeah I mean, certainly, it's the domain of some of a lot of scientific work, you know, to, uh, not scientific, science fictional work rather. Um, you know, th- in the future, will AIs have rights? Will they have? Uh, will they be liable for, for this, that, or the other? Um, uh, Richard K. Morgan's uh, altered carbon novel. Uh, in that one, uh, I remember there were AIs, and uh, he specifically mentioned that AIs had the same level of personhood as corporations. So, uh, which which would make sense because uh, an AI is immortal. It doesn't, nece- it doesn't necessarily have a body, um, and, uh, and, and it has, but it does have interests in the world, and, uh, and it could conceivably uh, need to be protected from other entities.
4: Well, and I should mention too that again, this personhood, this idea, especially in the legal terms, is something that can be interpreted. Many different ways, and has been by the law. So, uh, sometimes corporations have been more personhoody than than <laughs> yeah. than others, particularly right now. Uh, so, when we talk about AI, we know that there probably will be a particular set um, that will be unique to AI personhood, if that in fact comes um, into the discussion.
1: How about this? How about personhood for fictional characters? Do you think, do could could you have? Personhood status for, say, Sherlock Holmes.
4: I can see a number of of uh, of corporations or lawyers who might really like that because it's sort of an extension of trademarking, right?
1: Yeah, but but like if you reach the point where not only is it not only is it a brand, and you see a certain amount of this because I remember um, I remember reading about how uh, there was some parody movie uh, that uh, ended up using Darth Vader. And they had full cooperation from Lucas, uh, and so they they had a guy in a Darth Vader suit on set from from Lucas's crew, and they also had an advisor there that was there to shoot down any ideas uh, regarding things that Darth Vader would not say or do. <laughs> right, right. Um, and um, I think it was like Night at the Museum Two or something. I, I didn't see it, but um, but uh, but uh, I I, I kind of love that idea because the idea that it kind of hints at this idea of a fictional character as something that exists outside of human influence anymore. Like, the character is this thing that has certain rights and it shouldn't be stepped upon. So, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm getting, this is a far-fetched <laughs> and just sort of an open question to, just, to, to get everyone thinking. But, but yeah, what if you did reach an idea where, and certainly if you did through AI as well. So, like, what if we took everything that we knew about Sherlock Holmes from the work of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and some of the more, um, uh, Canon and accepted visions of Sherlock Holmes in uh, in cinema and, and what have you. And we use that to generate an AI that then was the spokesman and defender of Sherlock Holmes' personhood. That would be, that would be, be kind of interesting. Bananas. Yeah. And then what if, you, what if Sherlock Holmes, the AI slash fictional character personhood thing, then ran for public office? <laughs> and, and, I, was gonna, I, was gonna, I was just a about co- to do a an Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah.
4: impression, but I can't.
1: Yeah. Well, It's kind of fun. Yeah, you, you've
0: got to have a lot of – there's a lot of flesh involved in the head there. Yeah. But. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love –
1: So, anyway, those are just some open questions there at the end to, to, to get everyone thinking a little more about personhood. Uh, it's it's a fascinating, elusive, deeply philosophical question uh, that is not going to be going away anytime soon. Oh
4: no! Uh, and thank you to to everybody who wrote in about it, especially Kelly. Um, gave us some really good uh, things to think about.
1: Um, I should mention just uh, real quick uh, if you do a. Quick search for personhood corporations on the How Stuff Works website. You'll find an article from Josh Clark of uh, Stuff You Should Know. He did a, an article on that that's pretty cool. And uh, I also found uh, a Scientific American blog entry by Eric Michael Johnson really interesting. It's called Non Human Personhood Rights and Wrongs. Yes. And a lot of that focuses in on, uh, on grade eights because that's uh, uh, Johnson's area of study. But he gets into issues of AI as well, and it's uh, it's a fascinating read.
4: All right, uh, do we have time to bring over the robot?
1: Yeah, I think we have time for a quick one. The the robot here does not have personhood status.
4: He has applied for it. We are reviewing
1: it. All right, here's a little bit of listener mail from Sarah. Sarah writes in and says, Dear Robert and Julie, after hearing my fellow otaku, anime junkies, tell you about Dinoi Coil, I don't know if we ever got the pronunciation on that right, yeah, I thought I would tell you about the anime uh, Planetes, uh, or uh, which is spelled P-L-A-N-E-T-E-S, uh, which is a sci-fi anime about astronauts whose job it is to pick up space debris in order to make space safer for flight. There are stringent laws about leaving anything out there, and the show deals with the dangers of space, including space madness, as well as a little romance. Uh... Uh, Got to go, but definitely check it out, Sarah. So uh, I I looked this up. I haven't watched any of it. uh, But uh, it does look really interesting. It's like just the idea that this is a – it's like a TV series. It's essentially about uh – about space junk, you know, and about the, about the dealing with space junk, and yeah. then you know, and then various uh, important narrative levels. Well, well, that's
4: good, right? I mean, yeah. does, that's hope for me that maybe it's starting to to get into the mainstream somewhat. I don't know if you could say that the mainstream, but at least it's it's getting into the conversation.
1: Yeah, and it's it's an interesting reminder too about how rich uh, anime can be because yeah. I, I'm not. I mean, I've seen some of the iconic anime flicks, you know, like uh, you know, I've seen Akira, you know, I've I've seen. Um, um, and, and certainly, I've watched like the Miyazaki films, and uh, uh, some of the? What's the other really? Uh, Ghost in the Machine, I've seen. Uh, so some of those, but there's a whole lot of anime that I'm. I just don't even know what's going on with. And it's easy to fall into the trap of just thinking of anime as you know, as uh, as whatever the most uh, uh, visible thing happens to be at the time, right. you know. But uh, but there's really a lot of diverse. But, you know, a lot of times fantastic storytelling going on there. Though. It's uh, certainly worth looking at. So I think it's really awesome that, that somebody out there has, has, has managed to to produce a show that, uh, that is based on a more or less on a, on a, on a skeleton of uh, a space junk uh, theme. Um, and then we also heard from our listener, uh, Murphy. Murphy writes in. and says, hi, Robert and Julie. My name is Murphy, hailing from Hawaii. But that is irrelevant. I just finished listening to your podcast about the Higgs Particle. Pretty cool. Remember that joke about the Higgs particle? I've electronically arrived to point out that this is uh, the only humorous Higgs joke because of its clever and commonly overlooked double entendre. Not only can you not have mass, like church mass, without the Higgs particle because of the Higgs particle gives stuff mass, like stuff mass, but also because you cannot have church mass without the God particle. I've always been looking for some uh, recent topic to to chip uh, in about. Uh, I listen to your podcast <laughs> retroactively, so usually my two cents have uh, are so usually my two cents are a couple of years overdue. I love 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 the podcast. I still have a few hundred more to listen to, so I have to go. Aloha, Murphy. Uh, 1, Aloha, 100.
4: Murphy.
1: Yeah, I, I keep forgetting that we've done that many, but um yeah, apparently we have two a week. Yeah, and um, oh, I've got time for one more uh, listener mail here. Uh, Listener Matt writes in and says, Hey guys, I'm slowly working my way through your older March-April-May 2012 podcast, and you're talking about space exploration, tech, living in micro-G environment, and the tech of Prometheus. In regards to these podcasts, you have to check out the movie Pandorum. It goes further into the uh, detrimental mental problems uh, uh, long-term space travel can take on the human species. I don't think I'm giving away too much of a spoiler when I tell you that three of the finer points in the movie uh, take a look at psychotic episodes, cabin, ship f- fever, memory loss due to extended hypersleep, and biological evolution brought on by trying to adapt to a spaceship environment. While it didn't play out very well in the box office, it is certainly worth uh, a while to DVR on sci-fi or Netflix if you don't want the commercials. I also wrote a long uh, time ago about thinking as a kid that mirrors were not just a reflective surface, but a window into the nearest adjacent multiverse. My reflection was really just another me who happened to check out the mirror at the same time, and that at any time uh, I might turn a corner and run into my doppelganger. Well, I finally did meet him. His name is Negamat, and he's a pretty cool dude. We exchange numbers and are scheduled to meet for brunch next Saturday. Thank you again for the great <laughs> show, Matt. Uh, well, that was a f- uh, fun email. Uh, certainly the the mirror thing. It's uh, That universe is just like ours, except they spell everything backwards. And... Um, and certainly, Prometheus—not uh, Prometheus—Pandorum uh, uh, is a film that I have no people who just seem to hate it, but uh, but I really enjoyed uh, uh, Pandorum. I thought it was a uh, it was a really fun kind of space horror uh, flick, a German-U.S. co-production, I believe. Uh, some good performances in it. A lot of money went into the, um, the the set design and the creatures, and there are a number of cool little scientific ideas going on, uh, you know, including the three that uh, Matt mentions here. So,
4: but do they have the space punies?
1: No, no space punies, okay. but um, but but it does involve the scenario. Okay, what if what if you have colonists on a seed ship, and uh, and you have genetically engineered them to rapidly advance, uh, rapidly adapt to a new environment, so that when they land on an exoplanet, um, they can get out and they, they can rapidly advance to this mm-hmm. new environment. But then, what if that ship doesn't make it to its destination? And what if the uh, the crew members come out and then they rapidly adapt to the environment of the ship? Right. What would that look like? So uh, that's one of the fun ideas that this film has. I mean, you know, don't go into it expecting 2001, but as we've discussed in the past, if you go into any movie expecting 2001 that isn't 2001, you're going to be a bit disappointed. Yeah. So uh, so thank you guys for all that uh, wonderful listener mail. We get a lot of it. I wish we had time to to personally respond to all of it uh, and or read all of it, but... Uh, uh, it's just hard. And, and sometimes I mean to read something, and then I print it out, and then I forget it. So some of it is user error on my part.
4: Those are the breaks. Yeah.
1: So uh, let us know what you think about personhood. Are our corporations people? Our are plant, our plants people? Are our, uh, our animals people? Are our dolphins people? Are our artificial uh, intelligences people? Um, how about that guy that you just shot in that video game? What about
4: that blade of grass that just got cut and released green leaf volatiles, screaming for help?
1: Yeah, all these uh, all these questions are on the board. So let us know what you think. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, where we are stuffed to blow your mind, and you can find us on Twitter, where our handle is Blow the Mind.
4: And you can always email us at Blow at discovery
0: No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for?
1: Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com.
3: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway.
2: at work.